Hey, good morning and welcome to Worship at Shades. We're so glad to see those who are in our worship center today and also that are joining us uh, by live stream. Uh, we welcome you to our time of worship. Next Sunday will be my last Sunday as the pastor of Shades Mountain Baptist Church after 24 and a half years. I gave me a workout up there to uh, make sure I earned my keep. Uh, this was great. Hey, six weeks ago on June 27th, as a church, we voted unanimously to call George Wright to be our next pastor. And so after next Sunday, we will enter into a whole new phase. It will be like entering through a door into a new zone. You unlock this door with the key of trepidation. Beyond it is another dimension, a dimension of change, a dimension of innovation, a dimension of uncertainty. You're moving into a land of both shadow and substance, of things and ideas. You've just crossed over into the transition zone. Yes, the dreaded transition zone. It's a dimension that's made up of change and, and uncertainty. You're moving into this uh, time of where you come up with two words that will cause sweaty palms on members and it'll cause unsettlement in your stomach when you hear the words change and uncertainty. But I've got good news for you. I'm a doctor and I can get you through this time and I will safely guide you through this transition zone, this zone of change and uncertainty. And where I will take my cue is from God's Word as we will look where God pulled off probably the greatest transition in all of history and it is found in Joshua chapter 1. So if you'll turn in your Bibles to Joshua chapter 1, Old Testament book, looking at that very first chapter. This is a transition that took place 3,500 years ago. And it was a transition of uh, the leadership of Moses. Now, Moses was a guy that was out in the, in the wilderness just kind of uh, minding his own business. God came to him, spoke to him in a burning bush and said, I have called you to go into leadership and given you responsibility to get the children out of Egypt. They had been in captivity for 430 years, the nation of Israel had. He goes to Pharaoh. Pharaoh says, no, there's a succession of 10 miracles. And after these 10 plagues and miracles, he lets them go. And Moses leads them and some amazing things take place. They come up to the Red Sea, takes his staff, holds it over the sea and the sea split and everybody goes through and then the sea comes back and it crushes the Egyptian army. They get really thirsty and they go, there's no water. God tells them, strike a rock. He did and water comes and, and uh, gave nourishment to every person. And then every day they had something called manna that was there on the ground and they fed them for 40 years. And so as they wandered for 40 years, Moses has led them and he's gotten them right to the edge of the promised land. And just as they're getting ready to go in, God said, now it's time for a new leader to take them into the promised land. And so the mantle of leadership now falls on Joshua, who has been his assistant. And there was a shift that was getting ready to take place. Because you see, for 40 years, they were just desert nomads wandering around. Now, all of a sudden, they're getting ready to go in the promised land, and they have to make a shift because now they have to be a conquering army. 
And so because of that change, you need a leader that's got different, different skills, different, uh, different uh, gifts and, and mindset. And that's why Joshua would be the guy because, see, Joshua was the one that led them in their first battle that they had in the wilderness. And so he became their next logical leader. Today, our world is operating in a world that has been reshaped due to COVID. Uh, as I'm 10 days from my 68th birthday, I recognize as much as anyone that we need newer, younger eyes and ideas, a different level of experience and knowledge to guide us into the future. It is the right time for a new pastor, and we have the right pastor, okay? <laughs> Low-hanging fruit, I know, but uh, it was there. Had to take it. So for Israel, for Israel, this was the close of a chapter, but it was not the end of the book. For us, uh, as I step away and retire, it's the close of a chapter, but it's not the end of the book. One chapter rarely, choose, rarely closes completely before the next one starts to open. And this is what you see in Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 2. We're going to look at just two verses. And in these two verses, we are going to understand how we can live during times of pastoral transition and change. Joshua chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. It says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all the people, into the land that I'm giving to them, to the people of Israel. Just in those two verses, folks, we are going to be able to get us some, some helps to be able to walk through and how to live through a pastoral transition and change. Are you ready? Number one is this. Acknowledge the loss. You got to acknowledge the loss. He says at the beginning of verse 2, he says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Well, that's a Captain Obvious moment right there. And you wonder, why is God telling him that? Because he already knows that. Listen, God is telling him that, and he has a reason for telling him. Let's go back to Deuteronomy 34. In Deuteronomy 34, verses 7 through 8, these are the last days of, of uh, Moses. And look what he says. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eye was undimmed, and his vigor was unabated. Abated. And the people of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. And then the days of weeping and mourning for Moses were ended. Okay, listen, I'm thankful that I'm not dead. Uh, however, on August 16th, it will be as if the Lord says to Shades, Danny is gone. Acknowledge the loss. And that's what he's telling Joshua Moses is dead. So you need to understand it, you need to acknowledge the loss. And so after Moses' death, it says there was a 30-day grief process. And see, there needs to be a grief process whenever there's a loss. You just can't say, well, listen, it's God's will and everyone should feel good about it. You know, no matter how logical it sounds and how much the timing makes sense, there's still a sense of loss and a tendency to not want the pastor to retire and there's a tendency to resist that change. You know, scholars who study change dynamics has concluded that if there's no sense of loss and there is no resistance, then there's really been no change. Every change involves a sense of loss, even when we're excited about it. You know, I, I so appreciate the comments that as soon as I announced this in January and the overall number one comment I have had from you as our church members, you've come up and you said, I am glad for you and Janice, but I'm sad for the church. 
I'm glad and I'm sad. And I'm so thankful that you didn't turn that around to where you didn't say, I'm glad that you finally made this decision and I'm sad it took you this long. Okay? So thank you very much for that. But there's a gladness and a sadness in there. And so thus what I have done is I have placed an official 27-day grief process in hand. For Moses, he got 30 days. You just need 27 with me, okay? And it'll go from August 16th all the way to Saturday, September 11th. And you'll be in good hands on Sunday the 22nd, Chad Kossaboom. Sunday the 29th, it'll be Tim Wheat. Uh, Sunday, September 5th, it'll be Bradley Patton. And then on Sunday, September 12th, our new pastor, George Wright, will stand here and officially preach his first sermon as the pastor of our church. And there will be a celebration and there will be a reception. However, in the meantime, there will still be some people that are dealing with a loss. The degree of loss depends on how much the previous chapter was valued. The degree of loss depends on how much the previous chapter was valued. See, we value chapters differently. Here at Shades, our members have an emotional investment in different chapters of our church's history. Just sit down and talk to them. And as you sit down and talk to members who've been around here for a long time, they will sometimes tell you, oh, Starlight, that's, that's a special chapter. Some will talk about the Messiah, when we did that back in the 70s and early 80s. Some will end up and, and talk about, uh, well, what about first love? And, and what about new wind? And, uh, and, and what about the centennial celebration? And, and there are certain things that, that take place, 2010 vision, touch the world, 2050, all these type of things. And those are special chapters in their life. And so it means that everyone processes loss differently. The greater the loss, the greater the grief. In my situation, those who are closest to me or have had been personally impacted by my ministry or friendship throughout the majority of my pastorate will feel a deeper sense of loss than those who have recently joined. So for some of you, It'll probably take you a little longer to acknowledge the loss and accept the change. However, everyone needs to get to the point to acknowledge it, accept it, and be ready for point number two. And point number two is this. Don't get stuck between chapters. Don't get stuck between chapters. One chapter closes, another one opens. And look what he says, what the Lord said to Joshua. Now, therefore, arise and go over this Jordan. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise. You see, therefore, you always look back to see what it was there for. What did he just say? Moses, my servant, is dead. All right? So what are we supposed to do? What you're supposed to do is you're supposed to arise and go over this Jordan. He's saying, Moses has died. Move on to the next chapter. He's saying to Shades Mountain Baptist Church, he'll say, Danny is gone. It's time to move on to the next chapter. Any healthy grieving process ultimately involves moving beyond the sense of loss over the way things were and into an active pursuit of the way that God wants them to be. Don't let that just zip past you. Look at that again. Any healthy grieving process, it ultimately involves moving beyond the sense of loss over the way things were and into an active, I love that word, an active pursuit of the way that God wants him to be. In essence, what he's saying is, guys, 
You're on the east side of the Jordan River. We've got to cross over to the west side. You can't just keep hanging out on the east side of the Jordan River pining for the good old days. We can't just sit there and talk about all the wilderness wanderings. You know, we need to cross over. Our objective is to get into the promised land. And so we need to cross over the Jordan River. You see, don't dwell in the past because then you'll be hesitant about the future. Hey, this chapter is closing. Rejoice over the victories and accomplishments. But a new exciting chapter is opening. Don't get stuck between the chapters. I read where a man once said this. He says, the work of God is much larger than any man of God. The work of God is much larger than any man of God. And that is so true. It was true 3,500 years ago that the work of God was greater than Moses. It's been true in the history of our church. The work of God is greater than Hugh Chambliss or Carl Gears or Charles Carter or Danny Wood. There's always a next chapter, so don't get stuck between the chapters, okay? Number three is this, don't retreat. Don't retreat. When he talks to him, he says, I want you to rise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people. I want you to get up and go and cross over the Jordan. Don't retreat, don't go back. Listen, folks, don't retreat from all that we've learned these past 24 and a half years. Stay committed to the biblical teachings. Continue to be committed to sending, transform people to influence their world for Christ. Do not retreat on that. And let me just share something else with you. When I retire as pastor, don't leave the church. Don't sit there and say, well, I got to get out a Shades Free card or something, and I'm going to run away from the church. No. You know, he said in that passage, I want you to cross the Jordan all this people, all this people. That means every one of them, all this people. You know, he didn't sit there and look around and tell Joshua, says, I've got to be real straight with you. This crowd over here, you can leave them, okay? <laughs> Just leave them to fend for themselves over there. Just take the ones, certain ones I've chosen and let them go across. No, he says all the people. You know why he told them to do that? Because everything that God had done for them, through Moses, leading up to this time of crossing over the Jordan River, was to prepare them for the next chapter. The best was yet to come. The promised land experiences would be so much better than even the wilderness wandering experiences. And this was no time to retreat. And God has said, for 40 years, I've poured into these people. For 40 years, they have seen me work. For 40 years, they've understood what it is like to have a dependence on God. Listen, they got to take those lessons, and they need to cross the Jordan, and they need to go into the promised land and use those same things that I've already taught them. It's the same for us today here at Shades. What we have learned and experienced together is to prepare you for this next chapter. Preparing you to follow God's man, George Wright, into new territories, experiencing miraculous flood stage crossings, and being a part of Jericho walls tumbling down. I'm telling you, the best is yet to come. You don't need to retreat. Number four is this. Watch your focus. Watch your focus. You get to choose what you'll be focusing on during this time of transition. So watch your focus. He says, I am carrying them what? Into the land I am giving to them. Into the land that I am giving to them. Yes, Moses is dead, but God is alive and well, and he still has a plan for the nation of Israel. So don't get so enamored with the past that you can't clearly focus on the future. A future that involves taking new land 
that is being inhabited by those who possess the land and they don't want you to have it. You've got to keep your focus on that new land because when you go in there, you're going to have some resistance, but you've got to keep your focus because this is the land that I have given you. So let me give you some sub points when you talk about it. So Dan, what do you mean watch your focus? Number one, be aware of the ites, I-T-E. Be aware of the ites. Throughout their journey, God warned them of people who were possessing that land and will fight them to keep the land. If you read anything, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, you read all of that, you will see that he talks about ites that are everywhere. He's got Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, uh, Perizzites, Gergesites, Amorites, and Jebusites. There's all kinds of ites, and they're all out in the land, and they're wanting to hold down their possession of the land, and they don't want you to take it. So you say, well, gosh, that's back in the promised land over there thousands of years ago. For our new pastor, he is going to have to encounter those territorial possessors called the Carterites and the Danaites. Those bastions of the status quo, the protectors of we've always done it this way before. Those digging in their heels, unwilling to give up the traditions of the past. Their unceasing mantra is, Carter did it this way, or Danny always did this. But you hear me clearly. Though they will proudly present themselves as loyal lackeys of Dr. Carter or myself, they are actually rogue representatives whose views and opinions expressed do not reflect the official policy or position of either Dr. Carter or Danny Wood. Carterites and Dannyites will frustrate our new pastor. They will drive him crazy and they will stymie all efforts to move our church forward. I know. I've experienced it. <laughs> we won't go into that. All right. Um, so then you ask the question, well, is it okay to disagree and to discuss? Yes, for sure. But just keep your focus on the kingdom and do not slip into the role of a Carterite or a Dannyite. And this brings us to the second, and that is adopt NBD. No big deal. This should be a part of the Glossary in the language over this transition. N-B-D. No big deal. Now, when George Wright comes to become the pastor, he is not, he's a smart guy. He's not going to come in and break up everything that we're doing. we got a good thing going. And he knows that. But he's going to make some changes. And he needs to. Because it's going to fit his style, his philosophy of ministry. He's going to make some changes. And I just got to tell you, when he makes those changes, the vast majority... It's just no big deal. It's no big deal. You say, okay, hey, Sunday morning. Here's the big question. September 12th, when he comes and preaches, what's he going to wear? <laughs> what's he going to wear? Is he going jacket? No jacket. Long sleeve shirt? Short sleeve shirt. If long sleeves, he's going to roll the sleeves up, leave the sleeves down. Is it going to be like a golf shirt or is it going to be a button on shirt on there? NBD. No big deal. It does not matter what he wears. All right? I've watched, I think every sermon he's ever preached, he dresses very appropriate. He's going to be fine. All right? Don't make a big deal about it. Well, is he going to use that TV like you use? Uh, is, is he going to sit in that chair that you did some? Is, is he going to walk or is he just going to plant himself on there? MBD. No big deal. Let him do whatever he wants to do. 
You know, I, I would have never guessed it. I would have sat in a chair. Remember when I sat in that chair and, and, I, and I spoke? I, I had an injury. And so I was supposed to sit in that chair. And then people would email me and say, ooh, I love Professorial Danny. I love <laughs> Professorial Danny. And what was crazy was when I got healed, they were upset. Oh, man, <laughs> I liked it better when you sat in the chair. And so I'll throw them a bone every so often. I'll sit in the chair. Oh, I love it. All right. Hey, NBD, it's no big deal. It let him be his own man, do whatever he wants to do. Baptism. Hey, we just had 17 baptisms up there, and I wore a robe. Why did I wear a robe? Well, Hoffman Harris, when he baptized me when I was nine years old, he wore a robe. Charles Carter, he wore a robe. Me, I wore a robe in Ruston. I wore a robe here. <gasps> Do you think George will wear a robe? Don't know. No big deal. You know, you remember, we used to put people in robes that we baptized. And years ago, we changed that. We gave them live scent t-shirts. And they're just as safe now as they were uh, when they were wearing the robes. And so what about George? Maybe George will do a t-shirt. I don't know. If he wears a tank top, that's a big deal. All right? but, but we don't see that happening. We don't see that happening. Okay? It's just no big deal. Don't go crazy on that. Now, naturally, if there's something that's theological, moral, or ethical, that is a big deal. But the vast majority of changes that will be coming are really no big deal. So just watch your focus. Do not surround yourself with those things. And I came up with something also. There's another NBD, and that is no because Danny. No because Danny. That is, if George says, I'd like to do this, you'll say no because Danny never did it that way. No. <laughs> it doesn't matter. What you want to do is you want to judge everything on its merits and not go back because Carter did it or Danny did it or Carter didn't do it or Danny didn't do it. It is NBD, no big deal. All righty. Three, watch where God is moving. When I ask you to watch your focus, where our eyes need to be fixed is where is God moving. This is to be your focus. Now, here's the problem. When we allow NBDs to cloud our vision and monopolize our attention, it prevents us from seeing where God is moving right here at Shades because we are majoring on the minors and we've completely missed it. We learned in experiencing God where it says, you watch to see where God is moving and you join him there. So throughout all of this process, and as George becomes your pastor, I want you just to be watching here at Shades and see where is God moving and how can I join him there, right here, through this incredible ministry of this incredible church? Number five is this. Anticipate the future. Anticipate the future. He said in the, in the second verse, he says, go into the land that I am giving to them. Into the land that I am giving to them. Do you realize that Israel has not owned a parcel of land in 470 years. Let that sink in. They have not owned land in 470 years. And you know what he just said? 
It's the land that I'm giving to you. For the first time in 470 years, they're going to have land. They're going to be given land, and they're going to be free to live in that land. It is something that their, their father didn't have, their grandfather, their great-grandfather, great-great-grandfather, great-great-great-great-great, all these others have never had this, and they are going to get it. Do you think there's an anticipation and an excitement about that? I think so. I think those people are so jacked up and excited about the future because he said, there's a land that I am going to give to you. We need to start anticipating what is yet to come. You see, anticipation creates an excitement about the future. That doesn't mean you forget the past. You celebrate the past when we learn from the past so that you can move forward. Do not face the future with dread, but have a tiptoe expectancy and an anticipation of what lies ahead for our church. There'll be a new vision, new ideas, new energy, new levels of commitment, new territory to conquer, and new possibilities. Well, Danny, will there be challenges? Yeah, there'll be challenges. There'll be thresholds of commitment to cross. There'll be battles to be waged. There'll be comfort zones to be stretched, but it will be exciting. What an incredible future that we have in front of us and all this newness that we get to jump into. That's what our focus is to be. We are to anticipate the future. The land that I am giving to them. And last of all is this, and that is to face the future with strength and courage. You face the future with strength and courage. It's interesting, God knew what emotional state that Joshua would be in. And this wasn't easy. Moses was a tough follow. Those are some big sandals to fill right there. And there's probably a little bit of concern There was also a worry. It was the up to the job. Plus, this man that he had worked alongside of for over 40 years is now dead. And there's a a sorrow there and a grief that's taking place there. In all the midst of all this emotion, four times in that one chapter, four times in the first chapter of Joshua, God told him, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. And he comes in verse 9. He says, "I have, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I love that verse. Now, I've always smiled when I've read this chapter. I love this chapter because I'm thinking of Joshua, this new leader, and he's been chosen by God to be the leader. And somehow in those first few days, weeks of his leadership, God has specifically told him four different times in a short time frame, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous. Personally, that'd make me nervous. Um, If somebody had to keep summoning, hey, where's that? You better be strong and courageous, okay? (laughs) You really need to be strong and courageous. (laughs) No, I'm not saying anything's going to be bad. (laughs) You need to be strong and courageous, okay? Okay, okay, I've talked to those people, okay. Hey, one last thing. Brother, you better be strong and courageous. (laughs) Do you know something I don't know? Hey, don't worry about it. (laughs) Be strong and courageous. Uh, I'm there for you. But look what he says in that verse. He says, be strong and courageous. And why would that be? He says, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You know, God knows what emotional state our church members are in. And he says, you can be strong and courageous. God knows the emotional state that George Wright and his family are in. And God says, be strong and courageous. I'm going to be with you. He knows the emotional state that Janice and I are in. And God says, hey, be strong and courageous. And he says, I will be with you wherever you go. You know, this is a promise for everyone, not just going through a pastoral transition. It is wherever you are in life. 
You can face the future with strength and courage because you serve a God who's gone before you. He knows what is up ahead and he has provided all that you need for the future. So for us as a church, these are exciting days. And it's a thrill to know that our Lord says, I've already gone before you and I've got a great future plan for you. And so as a church family, we can rejoice with that. For you, whatever thing you may be walking through, any difficulty, God may have had you here for this particular message, to hear this particular word. Because for you, maybe it's not the pastoral transition that's concerning you, but there are other issues in your life. And you said, you know what? I just came to church today and I said, and God said, God, can you give me some positive word to know that you're still there and that uh, your presence is still surrounding me? I hope that's a word that was for you today. He told Joshua, it's like he put his arm around him and said, hey, be strong and courageous, okay? For I will be with you wherever you go. All right? Let's lead in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word. And I thank you that you are a God who is uh, omniscient, omnipotent, and a God, again, who knows all a God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I thank you for the faithfulness that you have shown to this church. And you have placed your hand of blessing on us for so many years throughout our history. And we are so thankful for that. And so we pray as we move towards this transition that for each of us as members of this church, that you will help us to be able to travel and navigate those times that would bring honor and glory to you. And we pray for George Wright and pray for his family as they get settled here in Birmingham. And, and may this be a, a, a month or so of rest for him and to be just energized, ready to go, to take the vision that you've given him for this church and to lead us into new territories. That is our hope and that is our prayer. So, Father, we love you and we thank you that you are always there with us and that we can be strong and courageous because you are there for wherever we go. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.